Hello and welcome to uh, Some Guys Art House Movie Guide. Uh, I've included the Some Guys again after last episode I left it out and we heard all of your complaints. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we put it back. Anyways, hello, welcome, and today's movie. Uh, we are talking about the 1999 comedy, But I'm a Cheerleader. Yep. But I'm a cheerleader. Is there a comma there? I don't know. But anyways, uh, so a little background on this movie. Uh, this came out, although it came out in 1999, technically it was kind of brought up through um, the Sundance system. The director, uh, Jamie Babbitt, had made uh, a short and then secured funding for like a 90-minute comedy around oh, wow. similar issues. Um, but it wasn't actually released until 2000. Uh, it received an NC-17 rating at the time, uh, which when you watch really? it, yeah, yeah, it's it's so tame. That's incredible. And this, this is a year after American Pie. That's crazy. And that was a rated R movie? Yeah. American Pie? I mean, American Pie had to cut stuff to be not NC-17. But even... American Pie, from my memory, <laughs> was pretty. I have way a lot of yeah, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about the time this came out and the tone of it. Well, and that's that's even crazier that it had that rating. We'll we'll get in there. That was the initial background, but I think uh, Anton's rare and ready to go. Oh yeah, I'm with, I'm ready with uh, his. Uh, should we take it away with Anton's summary? <laughs> uh, sure. I guess I was waiting for like the audience to be like, "Yeah, this no, <laughs> no." <Boo. laughs> uh, so the movie opens up and with a bunch of cheerleaders jumping around in like very thin orange outfits. Yeah, um, and you're just closing up close up shots of body parts as they're jumping around. Oh, should I? Um give a general tagline to this movie yeah uh whatever before you, want. you go in your background sure. uh so, so i said it was a comedy um in, which it is it's it's a comedy about a cheer high school cheerleader who uh her friends and family uh assume she is a lesbian and mm-hmm. therefore ask her to go to conversion therapy in order to not be a lesbian yeah and so this is all about the uh, experiences of that. Uh, so anyways, take it away. Okay. So uh, that's a really apt and honestly, in a lot of ways, the full summary of the entire movie. Because uh, there's not that much going on. There's definitely details, but it's it's really just that story arc. In the movie, the main character, her name is... Megan. Michelle? Megan. Um, right at the beginning of the movie, you don't even see Megan. You just see a bunch of cheerleaders jumping out in their cheerleader, orange cheerleader outfit. It's very thin, just focused on different body parts of cheerleaders, though, not like faces or anything. Mm-hmm. And Megan is there and she's part of the cheer squad. Michelle Williams is there. She plays Michelle Williams. Um, <laughs> and they're all cheerleaders and they're jumping around. They're having a great time. And, uh, Natasha Leone is the Megan main character and 
then Megan goes off with her boyfriend who's like a football player and they're making out in the car and he's like it's just like really exaggerated and comical yeah. it's um, very over the top exactly like and, even the way they kiss is just so open mouth yes <laughs> and like her eyes are just kind of rolling up <laughs> and it doesn't look like she's particularly enjoying it no um and it comes across as in this opening bit that she's just kind of like a go with the flow person yeah and just thinks oh yeah maybe you're not supposed to enjoy kissing your boyfriend who cares it's uh, also i i think they do really exaggerate even her of like how normal she is like even yeah. just the opening cheer leading squad meeting and michelle williams is like Sorry, but we have to wake up really early. And she does this like generic, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't and then, remember that. And then Michelle Williams is like, but we have donuts. And she's like, yay. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like her emotions are like very easily dictated of the mood of the situation without any afterthought. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of just like there and she, not a yeah. real person. She doesn't really overthink anything. Yeah. So uh, she's with her boyfriend. She goes home and she's with her parents. And I don't remember what they're talking about at the beginning. But Mm -hmm. uh, then it's like the next day of school and she goes in. And I just remember this vividly. She's walking with her friend Michelle Williams and they go to to, uh, Megan's locker and she opens it. And she's got um, all the these pictures, specifically one large picture of a girl in a bikini Mm-hmm. um inside her locker uh and it's just it's funny like yeah. they're just like she clearly doesn't think that that's weird that mm-hmm. um i don't even think weird is the right word she doesn't think that it's uh, i mean weird in their standards of what their societal impressions yeah. are so like yeah. I'm not saying that that is weird we're just saying that uh in the context of how they all live in this world it might seem like it would be weird for them. Yeah, exactly. They, the The director is very much making it clear that this is a standout thing, mm-hmm. especially when Michelle Williams opens her locker and she has just like pictures of uh, muscular guys with shirts off. And, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and as they're about to walk away, Michelle Williams grabs the picture out of Megan's uh, locker. And then earlier in the morning, the parents when the girl leaves, we're like, today's the day we're going to do it. And you don't know, like what, what is today the day of what are they going to do? Um, so her boyfriend takes her home and they're driving real slow, uh, to the house. And she's like, you're driving kind of slow. And he's like, Oh, I forget what he says. It was some stupid joke. Yeah. Um, but they get to the house and everybody, that she knows is there. And then is RuPaul in this movie? Yeah. RuPaul plays the camp leader. Yeah. So, uh, he's RuPaul's there. He's wearing all blue and he's got this, uh, Uh, true true direction. Yeah. Yeah. And he's wearing this true direction shirt or no straight is great or something. Oh no, it's true direction. Oh yeah. His shirt is straight is great. But the name of the organization is true direction. I believe. Yeah. So it's kind of like this intervention Which, at her house. I just have to say, RuPaul's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen RuPaul not in drag, so uh, it was hard for me to recognize. Yeah. He's just really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, yeah. Everybody, I think, is good at playing that 
exaggerated yeah. uh, person. Mm-hmm. And they do an intervention there in the house. All her friends are there. Michelle Williams is there. Her boyfriend's there. And they're like, hey, uh, we, we think you need to go to this camp to straighten out. And she's like, why? And she's like, I'm just like everybody else. I have a boyfriend. I'm on the cheer squad. Like, what what's going on? And they're, they ask her, like, how often do you think of girls? And she's like, oh, like a good amount. And, and she's like, but everybody does that. And the other people are like, no, not really. It's just you. Um, mm-hmm. And so she doesn't even realize, she doesn't even think it's like, she thinks everybody's like yeah. that. Um, but and but she's, she's religious. That's a big part of that. She's mm-hmm. always wearing her, and she's reading the Bible at and night. I like that it's, I mean, it's a movie about, like, conforming, but it's also, like, they're using stereotypes to point out that that's what she, makes her a lesbian. Like, as if, like, you can't not like Melissa Etheridge unless yes. you're a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, yeah, exactly. That's how they communicate to her with these, like, it's got, you gotta be a lesbian. You like Melissa Etheridge. Oh, they're like, have you thought about being a vegetarian? Yeah, exactly. Like, and, they're and trying she, to make us eat tofu. Yeah. As if, like, these ideas are, like, the what is the causality of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for sure. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point about I mean, you movies. see it throughout the movie. Like, I mean, that's the whole, like, idea behind all of their thinking is like that's how they communicate and that's so how that's how much like that's how they have to be yeah so she doesn't really think she is uh gay or at least not straight in the way that everybody's saying that she is in this intervention but she's willing to play along because she wants to do whatever she can to Mm -hmm. get back to this state of normalcy that they all want her to be uh so at some point next shot, the parents are driving her out to the True Direction, which is this place that's going to make you straight. And they it's kind of like a camp, and they have a, a crew of, of campers at this point, both male and female um, campers. Uh, and the motif there is there's a lot of pink stuff. Pink and, and blue, which and I think that's very green. important. Green, yeah, I which guess there's some there green. was a lot of green. Yeah. So, so one thing I noticed quite a bit. So at the at the beginning of the the movie, yes, there's the pink and there's the the blue, but her gown is green. There's a lot of shots where there's green wreathing pink. Mm-hmm. So like the interior of um, Mary J. Brown. I don't know if there's anything to that name, but Mary J. Brown is the the leader of yeah. the True to direction straightening out camp or whatever Mm -hmm. her office is green but the office behind it is pink so it's always there's like shots of green rethink pink um there's this one yellow room where the lamps very much look like ovaries Mm -hmm. and um there's a lot of symmetry that uh, of the shapes and things in the office that seems somewhat uh sexual yeah there i mean you see that throughout like phallic items and feminine items and like different shapes like that yeah so i don't know if there's anything to the green that there was i mean if you went back through it and watched the green pink contrast there's Mm -hmm. so many shots of it and i didn't know what it if it 
meant anything. I know there's a lot of scenes that um, maybe the layering is meant to uh, simulate female genitalia or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be anything. I didn't really think of the green. I mostly was just surprised at the pink and the blue Mm -hmm. um, as to like very uh, emphasize their gender norms. Uh, Yeah. And the green can mean a couple things. Maybe it's, uh, you know, to point out natural, like natural ideals or natural instincts. Or uh, it could just even be contrast to the blue and the pink. It could be. I just, I, yeah, I don't know what it was about, but so she goes to the camp and the, there's a checklist of, of things that you're supposed to do to become straight, the five steps or whatever. And there's a, a chart on the wall, uh, that shows you each camper and what step that they've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets introduced to Mary J. Brown, the leader of the camp and Mary J. Brown's son, Rocco, who is, um, is insinuated to also be homosexual uh mm-hmm. very exaggeratedly credited as just a rock oh rock got it got <laughs> but it, i think do they call him rocco they might I don't May, know. I, it's probably rock and i'm just adding uh, no. yeah i think it's a nod to rock hudson oh okay the actor so uh mike the RuPaul character is there. He's one of the counselors, and he works with the boys. Mary J. Brown, who runs the place, works mostly with the girls. And it's not just about uh, becoming... I guess straightness is... It's about becoming, like, this role of, like, filling yeah. in what what they think you should be. Not just, like, being attracted to the opposite sex, but also filling roles of gender yeah. and conforming in a lot I of ways. I noted that too it's a lot about it isn't it's not just sexuality it's just gen it's also a lot with gender norms yeah as if like that's a contributing factor oh yeah exactly like it it's like you can't be this without this sort of mentality uh yeah and the camp is uh the kind of the premise of the camp working is that everybody there understands that being not straight. I don't, I don't even want to say homosexuals. Like it's not abiding by these norms mm-hmm. is wrong and norms in quotes, obviously, but uh, not abiding by these is wrong and they understand it's wrong and they want to, ch- to change. And if you don't want to change, then you shouldn't be there. Right. Like, cause the, the decision to, to change can't come from them for, on the outside. It has to come from within. Right. Uh, so the people that are there, uh, are there for different reasons. It seems like all the males for the most part, uh, want to change, but the females, it's a little bit more ambiguous there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Graham isn't really interested in changing at all. Yeah. Graham um, just And then wants when they to... do the family meeting, the family therapy, it's clearly like, a lot of it is, you know, money and inheritance and yes. motivation behind that. Um, it's really funny through that segment, like of uh, like when they have to describe what causes it, <laughs> what causes their homosexual the root. tendency, the their root. roots. Yeah. Yeah. Like as if like, you know, being in a shower and watching like you know, locker room and catching a glimpse 
tons of people go through that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And as if it's like a physical, like they try to personify as like it's like a physical thing that happened rather than just an internally that's who you are thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the movie is structured around these steps and st- and the identifying your root is one of the steps. The, mm-hmm. But the the very first step is admitting that you're homosexual. Yeah. And uh, Megan's character is very... Uh, does not think she is homosexual. She doesn't want to admit to it. Yeah. She doesn't... She doesn't... She's kind of clueless. She doesn't even... Like, I, I truly believe she doesn't think that she You know, is. the director even stated she wanted to make a uh a gay and lesbian clueless interesting yeah uh huh yeah um so coming to camp everybody's already checked off the admitting to being homosexual except for megan because she's like the last one there yeah and in order for her to stay she has to admit to it and Eventually, she does reluctantly, but I don't know that she even still believes it herself. Right. It's interesting. Like, you know, there's the whole idea, like, you know, straight people don't really, uh, they don't have the same process of discovering their sexuality as uh, the Mm. LGBT community does. Uh, Like, it's not a thing you discover. You just assume you are. Interesting. Uh, So... She had never really given it much thought, but it's almost like, would she have if she didn't go to a camp to make her... Like, would she have even noticed for years? Probably not. she wasn't forced to go to this to recognize it? Yeah. I mean, they're the ones that are actually uh, making her confront her own identity in a way. For sure. And it's, it's hard to have a protagonist who is so blank in a way right she's got really no identity other than she's i don't know like she starts to discuss i think that's the process of the movie she starts to discover it and she even remains to be that bright bubbly person like she can still be herself at the end yeah but she just has a better foundation understanding of who she is but i think that's intentional like i mean especially not to get off track cutting in on your uh synopsis but it's a uh, like high school movies are all about just showcasing broad social socially constructed characters like you have the jock the nerd the cheerleader right so i think you needed a blank slate like megan to really impose like what they're doing making fun of high school societal norms while also uh you know realizing there's a person there yeah, actually, as you were saying that, it just clicked for me that having this blank person as the lens for you to see the this right. story through makes a lot of sense. And in a lot of ways, it kind of exposes even further the ridiculousness of these steps. Right. Like to... Um, I mean, like the whole thing's absurd. The whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Because that second step of, of saying what your root is... Yeah. It, or I don't know if it was the second one, but it's one of the steps... Um, mm-hmm. All, that was all the first of the, one. Then it goes to the gender norms kind of section, yeah. right? Okay. But the root one is interesting for Megan because she's like, oh, I don't know. Because it, kind of in order for you to think there's a root, you have to think that you are. And she still doesn't really think she is. Right. 
and everyone else is quick to just mm-hmm. come up with some random thing from their past that they're like, oh, yeah. that's what it was. Like, Paige's was that but her mother she, wore pants at her wedding. Yeah, but she comes up not with... Not Paige Graham. Like, her reason's really interesting, because I'm not really sure what to make of it. It's uh, the fact that she saw her father out of work for nine months, and, like, her mother became the breadwinner of the family. Yeah. So, like, not see like, the possibility that their, like, society isn't now as what it's supposed to be for just even nine months. Uh, it like, that's the, I mean, nine months to like the creation of a whole other identity. Uh, like that, like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that even mean for her? Like, is that, you know, it's not the cause of who she is, but it's something that she highlights. Yeah. It's and she noticed, that she yeah. sees. but it all, I, so that's, that's pretty later in in the movie where she finally is like, Oh, I know what my root is. And her parents are there. And and she says, um, my root is effectively that my dad was out of work for nine months. And I find that funny in a lot of ways, because they were kind of the ones who made her go there. And now Mm -hmm. she's turning it back on them. Like, yeah, you're the reason I'm here. It's just like, probably for the father, like, that's a whole other movie. <laughs> like he's probably yeah. just like, oh my god. <laughs> but like that's it's like a very pain inflicting system, in a way. Yes, it, everybody con- gets hurt by it. You're making these conflicts external and for like just very stupid reasons. Like, yeah, it shouldn't be an issue that her mother became the breadwinner for nine months. Exactly. Like yeah. it's nothing to be embarrassed. At. Like that's just people. Like, but further inflicts of the pain of the situation like that it doesn't need to be yeah so while they're there uh graham who is at first not very nice to megan um clearly graham becomes a focus uh for megan and eventually they kind of fall for each other over time uh Megan at some point early on turns in two boys that were um, smooching, smooching in the Mary J. Brown's office, and one of them, Rufio from mm-hmm. Captain from Hulk. Oh yeah, Rufio. Rufio gets kicked out, and the, another boy gets put in a literal doghouse out in the woods. <laughs> um, so degrading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to it's like, if you want to be here still, you have to be in the doghouse because yeah, in order for you to be here again. You have to want this. Oh, but this was after the montage of the social norms. Do you remember the social oh, norms yeah, yeah, montage? Yeah. Of yeah. like, they're teaching the the females to like vacuum and like prepare and the, the boys for her husband. And then the boys had to play like football and like RuPaul's like chopping lumber. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, uh, then they do that quick, like the axe flies in the air. Yeah, and everyone runs away screeching, and it just cuts to like two of the guys holding hands, and it's oh, I didn't you know even notice that it's just ridiculous, like that they're trying to like not only like negate them or what their genuine feelings are, but like that to say like that is wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, of like being like, how do you console another person in a situation, even if it's ridiculous? It's just you know they're cutting wood and an axe landed nowhere near them yeah so 
Um, Mary J. Brown, who's the leader of this camp, is very strict all along about all, everybody following these gender roles and uh, converting and all of that. And one, the the kids clearly, like, they do and don't want to conform. Um, and one night they sneak out to go to a, a gay club called the Cocksucker, mm-hmm. which has a a pretty cool business card, I would say. It's got a, a chicken on it or a yeah. booster. Um, and the way they get out is they, uh, they're they all getting ready in, like, party clothes. And Megan sees them and it's like, uh, uh, what are you doing? And they're like, come with us. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And then I don't remember what made her decide to go, but she changes into clothes. Graham's going, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of see the progression of like really this like the story's a lot simpler than like a uh tri- like a conversion therapy comedy like it's basically just a love story between her and Graham and like that's the situation yeah. they're in. But like yeah. that's the progression. Yeah, exactly. Because once they get to the bar, she meets the uh what is it? Juliet from or what's her name? She's in uh Oh, what's that movie? With Ethan Hawke? Before Sunset. I've never seen it. You've never seen Before Sunset? Nope. Alright. But I did see Boyhood. Oh yeah, she was in that, right? Oh. Oh no, maybe was, not. It's just no, same director Hawk right was in there. Yeah. Alright, disregard. So yeah, they go out to the club and she's talking with Graham, but then the girl comes up and says, do you want to dance to Megan? And Megan's like, nah. And Graham's like, you should dance with her. Go dance with her. And then she does. And then apparently another one of the girls at the school also has is attracted to Graham, the girl who likes to hurt herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Megan and Graham are outside, they, they go outside the club and they end up kissing i think uh the the other girl that likes graham sees it and is jealous no about uh it. the other girl i think yeah they kind of kiss or grope each other quickly mm-hmm. and then uh, megan gets upset and leaves okay uh i believe that's what happened. and then we're getting close to the oh i forgot to mention the the way they get to the club is there's two adult adult men who are in a relationship that drive this van and they're running like a counter X X gay group. Um, Cause like uh, the whole, one of the phrases that's used in the, in the TV, the show is like being X gay. This, this idea that you were gay, but now you're X gay. And that's the mm-hmm. whole point of the camp. Um, they, their whole thing is like, it's okay to be who you are. And they, but they wear camouflage, which I think is interesting, and I don't know what there is to say to that. And they take the the kids to the the, the gay bar to let them be who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very much caricatures. I mean, everybody's a caricature in this yeah. movie. Um. So Rufio got kicked out, and eventually. They, Mary J. Brown finds the matchsticks or maybe the business. I think it was matchsticks actually. Yeah, for from Cox, the bar. 
mm-hmm. under page. Why do I keep saying page? Under Graham's bed. Um, and I, Graham says something that like changes the subject, but I think Megan gets ended like ends up getting blamed for it somehow. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember specifically. Me either. So Megan gets kicked out, and her parents prior had said, like, if you're not going to conform, you can't come home. Like, we can't have you living with us if you're going to not be straight. Mm -hmm. So she uh, walks off and goes to the the two guys who wore the camo that are running, like, the refuge for... Yeah, the XX gays. Yeah. And while she's there, she meets some of the people that she already knew, like Rufio, who also got kicked out. And he's living there now. And he he's actually really happy. Um, yeah. And he's like, I get to be who I am and I like uh, it. And nobody's like telling me I'm wrong or anything like that. And Megan starts to come around to this as well. Uh, and the... Like, there was an argument between the two guys that run the place, but it's, like, a very civil argument, and they, mm-hmm. they like... Yeah, they're always having their little back and forth. Yeah, but then they always end up making up, and, and the way yeah. that they argue is, like, healthy. They're like, hey, you make me feel this certain way, and, like, say it out loud. Right, they do the proper communication of conflict resolution, whereas, I, I guess, like... I mean, look at the other camp. They put a person in a literal doghouse <laughs> yeah. where where the way that they handle their disagreements is like through communicating. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And they do it very publicly to show like, hey, this is a healthy way to communicate and, and yeah. be in a relationship and all that. So the end of the movie is like graduation from... Uh, the go true directions camp and the XX gay groups plan is to infiltrate it. And (laughs) I think just not disrupt so much as just rescue Graham and Rufio's uh, love interest as well, who I don't remember who that was. Yeah. But he was the blonde guy who was in the doghouse. Yeah. So I forgot what Rufio did to get the blonde guy. Um, but he succeeds and the blonde guy is with him and Megan goes up, uh, in a cheerleader outfit and does a cheer song. She was writing a cheer song earlier in the movie. Yeah. She was told to, uh, write a cheer to express her feelings. Yeah. And it had the lines. I think God is great. God is straight. Yeah. I thought was <laughs> in, like that. in the cheer. But she takes the same general structure of her cheer and redoes the words. Uh, and this is kind of like the end of her story arc. She's she's now a, like a, a full person in a lot of ways, or at least on the path to being a full person, realizing who she is and what she's about and not just like following what everybody's telling her to do all the time. Mm-hmm. And and the XX gay group is is really nice in that way in that they're not telling her how to be they're just letting her be who she wants like they're not saying oh it's bad to be uh they're not even saying like it's bad to be straight uh if you aren't they're just like right. be who you are like very very like g- very good parental figures in a way yeah 
Um, so yeah, Megan does her cheer. I don't remember the lyrics to the cheer, but it's clear that she just changed the words to be. But like that's, it's exactly how she has to finish the like because she's a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, she, she's that's true. She's still a it's, cheerleader. It's the perfect resolution, really. Because she like meaning like because she's still a cheerleader, but is a a well, that's like how she like she can still be a cheerleader and also be you know what I mean like yeah I, I feel like there's this whole tug of war between oh. ideals and like who they're supposed to be that that to think that you know being a cheerleader and also being gay that's an impossible conversation that can never happen so they yeah, they want to make that the regular world cannot accept you if you do this which it can like you can have gay cheerleaders sure like you know it's like as if they're trying to hold these things that she also likes to do hostage and if she doesn't conform to them she can't do them which she can that's a great point and in fact like uh that kind of touches on at the school all the people there are kind of representative of they're totally different people right um, like each one of the girls and each one of the boys, maybe more so the girls, it's really clear. Mm-hmm. The boys, there's definitely differences, but it's not as focused on. Um, And l- exactly what you're saying, like you don't have to be like this archetype of what maybe a, a lesbian would be. Right. You, it's a, everybody's whatever they are. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, that makes a lot of sense with the title of the movie for sure. But I'm a cheerleader, yeah. like. It's all, yeah, personal identities. So she does her cheer, and it doesn't look like it works. And she gets on, she runs and gets back, <laughs> back in the truck. And then she turns around and sees that Graham's running towards her, and they're making out in the back of the truck. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. It's a pretty simple movie. It's a love yes. story. It's all mm-hmm. about discovering. But all, like ultimately, the message is very clear and very simple. It's be who you are. Like It's a very be who you are movie. Yes. They're not they don't try to hide that. They just they say it a bunch of times. It's uh I, I think the interesting parts of the movie kind of come at it from uh the like the different angles of attack and like the setting more mm-hmm. so. Uh it's the basis of it and like the whole idea of conversion therapy comes at it from like this very conservative way of thinking as there's no way you could identify as a certain way or be this kind of person unless you were brainwashed, unless you had been. Yes. Because yeah. the norm is that you're, you're, when you're born, you are this thing. And there's no way you could have diverged from that unless you were brainwashed. So it's funny how they will blame certain medias and outside influences by that. But then also we use uh media and their messaging is also doing the same thing like i mean compare this to like american pie like what is a straight version (laughs) not to Uh, say that it's a straight version of the movie but like there's tons of movies that reinforce gender and social norms uh but it can't be both ways you know what i mean like it can't Mm -hmm. be like the idea of it can't be it can influence you to be gay but it can't influence you to go straight (laughs) Mm -hmm. so by their logic they should be able to uh brainwash them back which that's what this is but of course it can't really ever work yeah um 
And then there's just interesting. So like the idea of um, conversion therapy camps being led by former, uh, you know, attendees of the camp. Like Ru- so, like RuPaul is in fact yeah. a former member. I got and the impression kind of, that maybe Mary J. Brown was yeah a little bit as well, but probably. they didn't really. It, it often they are, uh, and it's it's also that it's a very religious thing in a way like this you know generational hammering each time as if like we're really oppressing ourselves in a way Mm -hmm. uh which is interesting yeah um and they're all like not happy about it yeah uh but it's i don't understand is like it's Astonishing how, like, a religious uh, conservative doesn't see that this is, like, overarching control, like, dictating personal freedoms. Mm -hmm. It's, like, I think that's what the movie really does, is just point that out. Well, it's dictating someone else's personal freedoms, but not mine. Because I already just naturally conform. Right. So, if, therefore... Yeah, like the basis of the you are this identity because of outside influences. Uh, we're not imposing on your personal freedoms because we're just help you trying to get back to your natural state of freedom. Right. Which, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the background of this movie is um, just very interesting, especially if you look at the history, I guess, of kind of gay and queer cinema it had been very dark up until this point there had not been a lot of comedies uh you Which might say I, thought, like, I have a lot to say about that yeah like you may have you know i'm trying to think like john waters might be someone kind of mm. over the years doing it some things but like in terms of like there hadn't been and i guess that kind of represents the kind of the face of the community as a whole up to that point like it's kind of clawing itself out of the 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 AIDS epidemic and Mm -hmm. things had not been really pleasant in the community even in terms of art uh like Tawny and I got to go see at uh, MoMA PS1 the Greg uh Barowitz is that his name let me make sure how long is that up I think Greg Bordowitz yeah it's a really good installation and a lot of it is kind of dark and just kind of like pointing out the public figures and political figures of basically how the greater community or greater world has neglected the community of people uh, fighting through with the AIDS crisis. So Mm -hmm. if you look at, I guess it's just, you know, LGBT art at the time had not been very uplifting. So I think to make like a Mm -hmm. comedy and like, then what does a comedy look like? And I think it does it well. Like, it has to just point out how absurd and kind of stupid the whole idea could be while also just being a high school comedy movie. Like, it's a love story. It's just a guy, you know, girl meets girl. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, American Pie does the same thing. Like, it's, you know, about finding yourself and, like, finding a relationship. But kind of 
you look at the comedies that come like after American Pie, it goes way into this 18 to 24 year old dude sex comedy vibe. Like you get like eight American Pie movies <laughs> all yeah. talking about the same thing. Uh, and at the time, this movie was panned. It was absolutely destroyed by the critics. Yeah, it doesn't have very good reviews on. No, no. I mean, Rotten it's Tomatoes gotten it's gotten a lot more coverage and it's gotten a lot more looked at over 20 years. I saw it last year for its like 20th anniversary thing on Criterion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of that has to do with the, you know, what the world was like in 1999. Mm -hmm. You know, every critic back then was a 56 year old white dude. So like you have more diversity in uh, film criticism now that are like more open and actually see the ideas placed and forth and are actually judging it on those merits rather than what they're, I mean, yeah. One of the criticisms that I I saw, because I I did look at this on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes right before I watched it, which I haven't done actually for the other movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the criticisms I saw was it wasn't clear to the reviewer what the message was what it was trying to say. And I felt a little like that after I watched it. So okay. I watched I watched this last night with a with Alyssa and my friend John who was was up for the weekend and we talked about the movie right after so we cheated a little bit. All um, right. That's fine. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh and the the immediate feeling I had after seeing it was well this was just like making fun of everything and i didn't really know what it was even trying to say because it was like everybody was a was a caricature the conversion therapy the guys who ran the the xx gay group Mm -hmm. and it was just like is my immediate take was is this just trying to make fun of everything because in 1999 that's how you would be able to get a story like this out is to just like yeah everything goofy but then also look at it from the point of view as like maybe a filmmaker that's trying to communicate this messaging of absurdity to an audience that might not have ever seen even gay people. Like, you know, yeah. like well, that's what I a mean. lot of what cultural norms were like in our society going back 50 years, like some the only form of communication that other parts of the country are doing the same thing or acting like you are is the communication through movies. Mm -hmm. so if for the longest time they're just kind of written by the same uh old white dudes they're kind of reinforcing that this is what how they see the world and this is how everyone interacts with the world and Mm -hmm. so when you see a movie like this how do you communicate to someone that might not have any idea of what this is so maybe you have to have uh i guess caricatures and like very uh you know obvious caricatures at that to actually demonstrate the messaging that you're kind of hoping to get across. Well, I think they did a good job of keeping the movie simple. Like the movie was a little like naive at times and like very, I mean, campy, but like, I think it like, that's what it had to be. If you're looking at the long range of what could be uh, queer cinema, because mm-hmm. like, how do you progress in that genre without kind of setting up, um, you know, films that really first kick it off. So yeah, that like that was my initial take was was this a sugar pill 
in order to get this message across? Was the caricatures to make it more mainstream? I I, I mean, look at any teen comedy, though. Like, they're dumb. (laughs) They're all dumb. true. (laughs) Like, they're all very, like, clueless. Like, it's great, but it's dumb. Like, it's. I I think that's fine. Because, like, what does it mean to be in high school? You're dumb. (laughs) Like, yeah. I know what it's like being in high school. I was dumb. <laughs> and and I'm, I think that's where I'm being naive about yeah. this. And, and I in talking yesterday, it's like I'm just getting so caught up in, like, uh, the fact that this is maybe queer cinema in 1999, right. when really the story arc, everything about it, that's that's a, it's really a story about just, like, being who you are and, and finding yeah. who you are and being okay I, with and it. And that doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be. And you also don't have to hold that to a higher artistic merit as like movies that generally deal with straight relationships. Like why did, like, why can't they also like, why can't the queer community also make a movie that is kind of hokey and campy and fun and doesn't take itself too seriously. Exactly. Like, why does it have to, uh, be this certain demonstration of like you, like we won't be taken afraid of not being taken seriously. So like, yeah, it's more of a a statement about me than it is about yeah. the movie. And yeah, and it's had its own struggles. Like it was rated NC seventeen, which is kind of absurd when you think of. Like, there's really not hardly any. Like, I think there's some sexual innuendos and like kissing and like, but like, it, no one's fucking a pie. Like, yeah, no one's <laughs> no one's having sex with a pie. <laughs> like, I don't know. And there isn't. I don't even think there's nudity. Uh, there was a one point where they showed a card. Oh yeah, but it was like a cutout, and it was like yeah. a split second. But yeah, the the MPA is its own bag of uh, religious nutcases. So I feel like that's a big part of this. Is like mm-hmm. it comes out in 1999. There's totally probably well, even to it came this out day, in 2000 this... really because it kind of went it, through it. the you know sundance circuit so usually you don't get picked up for distribution later which i thought is interesting i if it had came out the same year as american pie i wonder what the reaction and comparisons would have been but i keep comparing it to american pie but they're very different movies (laughs) but i don't think i've actually seen american pie i'm just looking at it as like the lens of like a high school comedy or even a high school comedy that deals with sex and sexual orientation and genders Mm-hmm. that are very influence of the culture. Like this movie is very popular in the queer community and that's is like American Pie at the time, it was a big movie that came out. I mean, it had like eight direct-to-video sequels because dudes just I like seeing other dudes trying to get laid. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> So it is like, a popular premise for sure. That's why I'm kind of comparing them. I guess I'm just looking at them as like big cultural icon movies in their own mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um Well, so I guess what what am I what's the uh, big thing you want me to take away from this? I think the big takeaway is uh other I guess communities, other people can have the freedom to kind of play and experiment in film without the 
kind of uh, inherited art. Like, it's not an art house movie, but it is. Mm-hmm. But, like... I think it is for sure. I don't think you have to look at queer cinema through the lens of, like, artistic interpretation. It could also just be a fun movie. I think that's the big takeaway. Yeah, and maybe the, the pro, maybe it's only art house in a way mm-hmm. because of the nature of society at this time. Right. And, in, and like, if, if this came out today... People would be like, oh, it's just a fun movie. But the fact yeah. that it came out in 1999 feels like it's trying to make a statement mm-hmm. when really, like, that's that's on us yeah. to, to think that it just, it's trying to, yeah. to make a statement. Like, I, I'm i sure the gay community can just watch this movie and have fun, even at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's for a straight audience. It's for us to just look at and see what it's about. Like, it could mean two different things. Because the messaging itself is simple. Like, they're not... I Like, that's why I was confused. I'm like, it's a simple be-who-you-are movie. Like, you've seen a million Pixar movies doing the same thing. <laughs> like, they aren't yeah. hiding the message in, like, behind stuff. Like, the messaging's there. It's just a be-who-you-are love story of uh, people discovering who they are and falling in love. Yeah. Like it's when... just the setting and the like that kind of lets you open for discussion, especially for people that don't know these communities or how they interact with each other. I think. Yeah. And because, uh, it deals with, um, LGBTQ stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I think it has to be a certain way. Just like when I think, uh, women have to vacuum or something like (laughs) they're trying to say in the movie. Exactly. Um, Like the whole idea is if they're, reactions to the issue is to throw uh really uh, cliched gender norms at them like vacuuming mm-hmm. and football and i love it when they're like playing army <laughs> i don't know i thought that was really oh yeah funny. well the cutout of that was a yeah little <laughs> <laughs> and like if they're allowed to do that as a way of conversion therapy like why can't a movie just take a bunch of characters and like like why can't a movie do the same thing but through the control of the community like you know what i mean yeah so for the criticisms of it might be a little campy or doesn't have a mixed messaging i don't like i just think that's not what the point is I feel like because they think that they didn't get the movie. Yeah, you don't get the mess. It's all and I, in a way, I had a weird comparison thought of there is no evil. Oh. Hear me out. <laughs> well, I'm intrigued. Radically sure. different. Radically different <laughs> movies. An Iranian film of about you know the death penalty in Iran. Yeah, but you know the first story of that is just going to work or you know like committing the death you know for those that have to commit the death penalty on other people impose it or actually yeah, do yeah. the actual killing uh i call it never mind i'm not gonna say but that. like what's the idea like that we talked about last like, that episode is like the whole idea of like stripping away their identity and persona as they are mm-hmm. to fit into this and like, why are these ac- these actions are exactly the same? Like these, like 
religious conservative actions are just as dangerous and just as what they're doing. They're stripping away your personal identity because if you have a more open thought to this, then you're a kind of threat to the institutions that they run. Mm-hmm. So their whole basis has to be keep implementing this kind of authori- uh, authoritative rule on people. So yeah, yeah, totally. Well, do you think you uh, came away with more appreciation of the movie after this discussion? Yes. Okay. So you get your point. Cool. I have and not been keeping track. Like, uh, yet again, it's like uh, it, it's like doubled or tripled my appreciation for it just chatting about it. Like, okay, I look forward to the to recording these hugely. It's like uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to ex- explain, but it's like i watched the movie cool but the whole other half of it of the experience is chatting about it in this podcast is really a lot of um well i'm glad that uh you got something out of it yeah and also it's like a movie you wouldn't really think to talk about or maybe you would exactly exactly i would have watched it and been like like, okay that was a movie that's exactly it like last year i watched this and i thought it was just pretty funny i didn't think of any like i just kind of generally got kicked out of like just the shenanigans and the like the campiness of it being a 90s high school comedy like but i, just, I mean is that how we should be not i think that's exactly the wrong way to look at it is that how we should be taking the movie uh, <laughs> but like I do, I, I do wonder about a, like i think about citizen kane i watched mm-hmm. citizen kane and i was like what who cares about this movie? It's so boring. And, but back then it was doing all this new stuff. And I just, I think about like today, if, if this movie came out, it would just be just a fun movie in 20 years. If it comes out, people will be like, whatever, like they won't yeah. even think of they'll be. Cause but that's the whole point of progress, like progression. And like, you know, that's how you, you progress. Yeah. In 20 years, it will be just like, this was a tame, boring I mean, quirky movie is there anything right now that would actually be surprising to any audience in any movie yeah i think if there's a movie where you're just beheading a bunch of babies or something that might be <laughs> uh, anton's first movie <laughs> headless babies <laughs> 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> 90 minutes straight of it. Oh, boy. That's not a real movie. Thank God. Yeah, but uh, I think there's always opportunities to push the envelope for sure in any generation. Yeah. All right. And that's, well, the, that's the cool thing about it is like today's sh- shocks are tomorrow's. Who cares? That's, that's correct. I'm pretty sure in 2070, beheading babies will just be a common thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. I'm. Uh, I don't want out. to end on that. Uh, <laughs> well, no, we're going into we're going okay. into next week's movie. I'm just okay. like dragging my feet because I forgot to pick one. Okay. But anyway, I don't think there. That's an equivocation. Okay. In any. 
Um, hold on. Well, one thing I think about a lot, actually, that is <sighs> mm -hmm. you can talk because I'm still like, yeah, I'm just stuff. thinking about it. Look, it's not like a social uh, thing per se, but if we were to ever start being more tied to technology like imagine if somebody was like oh uh ai is a thing and i'm gonna get a new chip put in my brain so i can think better mm -hmm. like i think that would be like something that would be a little shocking for a while or like the even the the idea if there was like robots or something that are they real that's people? true so. i think the the new the new shock to i guess culture or personal experience or to personal experiences at least might not be from cultural and societal norms but rather from like physical problems like technology and how it relates to people and the ethics of it the ethics of technology is probably going to be the next frontier of like we don't know what this is <laughs> yeah and there's also somewhat of a frontier about on that boundary of letting people be who they are and what they want to be is like can you have a society that can you tolerate intolerance in a way yeah. or like but that's that's for another movie i guess i mean there's also like yeah i mean the whole uh it's it's very uh that kind of libertarian free speech thing as like you know or as Jordan Peterson will refer to it as cultural marxism <laughs> I have no idea what that means uh it's it's like uh you know saying things that are too offensive but is it a freedom of speech thing is everything too pc right now um, kind of stupid stuff. Wait, hold on. I can't find my... I have a movie, but I forgot the name of it. PC is just, um, not saying things that are going to offend people other than me. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. If you, say, if you say something that offends me, well, then that that's definitely wrong. But right. if, it, if it offends other people, then, like, I think we're going a little too far and me having a think about what i say yeah sorry i'm gonna cut out this dead space in the podcast oh all the parts where i talk you mean yeah just <laughs> i'm just talking to myself <laughs> and you, you just summarize I what i said i wanted to watch i wanted to oh duh because i'm looking for it on movie but it's a criterion movie so stupid. I did a little bit of looking into Jamie Babbitt as well. Yeah. Because I, whenever I watch a movie, I'm always like, it's 
it's important to see where the director what their mindset was when the, when it came out mm-hmm. and what they were what other movies are they making and is this part of a larger corpus of something yeah is it it's babbitt is their the last name yeah jamie babbitt got it ah Ah, uh, don't tell me they took. Oh, okay. Um. All right, next week's movie. Are you ready? Oh yeah. So you're not gonna get any of these right. <laughs> it's I've a only two, gotten it's one a, so far. It's a 2019 Japanese film okay so it's anime uh it's not anime it premiered on criterion oh well okay well i mean i think it appeared elsewhere but it just recently did you say appeared or premiered like online original exclusive streaming premiere was done by the criterion channel they're like we're gonna just skip right to this being a classic movie yeah Mm mm-hmm uh, it's not going to be an easy one, Anton. I'm sorry. No, it's not actually that the, depressing. <laughs> is the title in Japanese? Let's just say it's a gripping tale of guilt, revenge, and a woman coming undone. Undone. It's directed by Koji Fukada. Okay. Is she made of yarn? The, is the name? No. Yeah. No. Um, I don't know what other clues I'm going to give you. How many words are in the title? Three words. And it's translated to English? Yeah, I'm talking about the English title. Three words. The... Nope, it's a search of the A. A woman apart. The two words are relative to the words that you said but they're just opposite like so like try thinking of words similar to those all right so words similar to woman are lady no girl yes (laughs) a girl unraveled no A girl dismantling. No. This one might be a little hard. A girl missing. A girl missing? A girl missing. That's the next movie we're going to watch. It's on Criterion. What's she missing? You have to find out. Well, now I'm intrigued. If I told you what she was missing, or if she is the one missing... Yeah. Then... That's the whole... That's probably uh, a movie that they made that we're going to watch. Do you recommend how I watch this? Should I watch it dubbed Uh, or subbed or? You should watch the subtitles. Okay. Dubbed. I, I, I can't, I mean, if dubbed helps you, that's one thing. I just can't take like that. Cause I, I feel like it overrides 
even the emo like even if you don't understand the language it still overrides like their emotions behind the words yeah so even though you are kind of like looking down and reading while you're also watching and maybe missing visually you can still kind of see people's emotions behind the words that they say i mean one possibility would be for us to really get the most out of this movie would be to learn japanese fluently and then watch. all right you have two weeks to learn japanese (laughs) but even learning it fluently i still might miss out on like references or things that i would have gotten if i grew up there or grew up within that culture and watched more than just this one movie yeah so maybe a lifetime i should devote to this yeah so i guess we're gonna this podcast will be released in about five to six years (laughs) yeah and i'll buy my ticket to japan now all right sounds good cool all right everybody a girl missing a girl missing see you then see ya bye